Get updated with the hottest news in insurance, finance, and the newest innovation in InsureTech and FinTech in these difficult times. Hear it from one of the most known and respected voices in the industry, Dr. Robin Kiera, and his guest of today. This is the EU, EU InsureTech and Investment Live Show with me. Oh, that was very unpolite. I should have said with Florian Grailo uh, and me. Thank you very much for being here today. And David Vanek, um, um, CEO and co-founder of Anorak Technologies. Thank you very much Hello. for being here. We are talking life insurance in a bit. But Florian, you have prepared some numbers tonight. Yes, definitely. So I will share, as usual, a few figures about what happened in uh, in June. Uh, crazy months, by the way, because there are nine, uh, uh, or close to one billion, by the way, euros were invested in InsurTech across Europe through 14 deals. And the most interesting is that we saw two new uh, unicorns in that space with WeFox, massive round, more than 500 million euros raised and bought by many, uh, direct to consumer doing pet insurance in the UK. They raised close to 300 million euros. Uh, so, so crazy months. And by the way, Tractable become a unicorn as well with a, a smaller round. But uh, but anyway, it means that they are making a lot of revenues, I guess. Uh, 50 million euros raised, unicorn status as well. And without any surprise, uh, obviously, the UK was the most active, um, let's say, local ecosystem during June. And that's the reason why we have uh, David from Anorak, uh, because they are based in the UK. And we will learn a lot about what they are building right now. Uh, so thanks again, uh, David, for being with us today. Uh, and looking forward to learning a bit more about uh, what you are building at Anorak. But one more thing. Florian, Florian, and, and David too. Let's talk a minute about these numbers because a billion a month, you know, that's a million with a B. That means that B like a lot. Uh, let's talk about that. And especially since a lot for not a lot of companies. Um, what does the, that mean for InsurTech? Uh, for number one. And second, I think it's super interesting what kind of InsurTech got the funding and what does it mean for what makes success in InsurTech land? Uh, Florian, do you want to share like only two seconds your analysis? Yeah, yeah. So, so first we see a huge uh, focus, let's say, on only few startups that are raising massive rounds. Again, half of this amount was focused on WeFox. Uh, so obviously, they are most. <laughs> and we had uh, we were lucky to have him uh, a few months ago, by the way, in that uh, in that same show. Uh, so that's the first point. Few company raising huge rounds. First point. Second point, which I believe is very interesting, is that again it it shows that the insurance industry is a very attractive market, a huge market where if you only have a few, uh, even a tiny market share, you can make billions of euros. And I believe that uh, we will learn uh, that around life insurance, which uh, will be the topic yeah. of today. Uh, so definitely a huge and massive market opportunity. Uh, and if you deliver well, then you can. And raise a lot of money and you can be valued at very high value. Again, uh, Tractable became a, a unicorn by raising only, if I may say that, uh, 50 million euros. So that's that's impressive. Very, very impressive. And, uh, and uh, David, what do you take away from, from, the, from these months? I mean, if you look at the numbers Florian uh, provided. First of all, what we see in the, in the, in the UK market, at least for fun, funding, is that the, the investors are super hot when it comes to MGA models and integrated insurer, like everyone is crazy about them. 
Um, and anyone who's got traction in that space can really push a valuation quite high and, and, and raise money um, very quickly. That's that's the good news. Then you've got other propositions are probably more complicated to explain and where the funding takes a bit more time. Yep. What I take away a little bit from this, and by the way, if you're watching right now, let us know what you think. We saw already like first comments. Thank you very much, uh, Anthony, for, for coming by, and Michael, of course, on Periscope, Anthony on, on LinkedIn. Do not hesitate to, you know, make a comment. And even if you don't want to comment anything, you know, just give us a thumbs up to show the algorithm you love this show. And what did I say about the content of the foundings? I thought what's super interesting that VFOX is not, is, is, very focusing on something actually boring like the caring about the the broker or or the agent i think that's something that differentiate differentiate them a lot from other large insure techs <laughs> um and the second one is um if you look, look at bought by many i think it's no accident that's a pet insurer why because it's an emotional product so we have on the one hand Uh, in, in insure techs that are close to where the money is being made without being too revolutionary in the also attacking the old system. And the second one is uh, actually an emotional product. I think that's something if we look at what kind of insure tech may come next, I think that's super interesting uh, to see. Um, yeah, but David, uh, let's not uh, forget that you are here. You know, let's, and the market is exciting, but let's put away brokers. Let's put away uh, pet insurance. Let's dig deep, dig deep dive into life insurance um yeah and yeah, um, let's don't go put away brokers we we are a broker we are a digital broker so don't put yes, away brokers. By the way, perfect that's what i wanted to mention perfect transition with uh, anorak and, and david you you can maybe just in a few few words few sentences just uh, remind us uh, what you are building around life insurance and then obviously we will deep dive to learn a, a bit more about what's specific where you are what's next in your company but Let's uh, start with, uh, with the beginning uh, and get a few words on how you pitch uh, Anorak and your activity. Sure. So we are an insurance tech based in the UK, based in London, addressing the UK market. And what we do is we make life insurance and expert financial advice on income protection, critical illness and life insurance accessible to the mass market because we think people need to understand and be educated about this complex proposition and they need to be met where they are online and brought to a position where they can buy this product easily. Um, life is a huge market. Um, very few startups are having a go at it. There are many ways to have a go at it, but we've chosen to be a digital broker. So this hybrid model where you just provide the best service using automation and technology and human expertise. Mm -hmm. By the way, that's very interesting that you mentioned that only few uh, insurtech players are trying to address that huge market because uh, it's close to half of uh, of the uh, insurance space, uh, let's say, at least in Europe. Um, why did you choose to address that specific opportunity? Again, considering that there are not so many players in that space. In yeah, so my, yeah, so my co-founder, co who is the CTO and I, both French, um, we wanted to create to use data and technology to make people smarter about their insurance choices. We tested many things like entrepreneurs do. Uh, we were fortunate enough to be venture built by Kamet, so we had the opportunity to test many things. And we, we started with PNC, GI, and we were trying to be smarter than a price comparison website in the UK, and no one cares. So the, the end customer, they have absolutely no interest in becoming smarter about their insurance choices. 
So we sort of killed it. And then we looked at the life insurance space where advice is very much needed to understand why you should buy this product, particularly in the UK. And that's where we discovered that we could digitize this access to personalized recommendations. And that's how the story started. Okay, cool. And, and by the way, you mentioned Kamet. Uh, that's the first time we have a Kamet uh, startup uh, in that uh, in that live show. Uh, can you say a bit more about your relationship with them? How they were helpful? Uh, did you have a specific link with AXA then? Or uh, yes, we are very curious to know uh, more yeah. about uh, that, especially yes, because they have more and more very uh, successful startups start, uh, going at, out of uh, of that uh, startup studio. So yeah, what are the uh, uh, the things? that you have learned there uh, and where that the benefits let's say that you uh, that you get from that uh, unique proposition sure. so it was a real partnership so my background is building businesses in the consumer space so I was selling sofas online so I can't tell you that it's nothing can be more remote than selling insurance apart from the fact that it's quite a boring uh, purchase um, and I, I really wanted to build a business in insurance so meeting with the camera team we sort of partners, their expertise, sec deep sector expertise. They match me with my co-founder, Vincent, cool. who knows a lot about uh, insurance. And and the three the three of us, Kemet, Vincent and I, we built our proposition around this. So it was massively helpful, a big acceleration platform. Um, yeah, great experience. And, and by the way, the, you mentioned that you were a broker. Does that mean that you are selling access product or not only access product? Because uh, so we're something that entrepreneurs believe uh, when they raise or when they work with one insurance company, then they say, okay, it will be tough maybe to uh, make business with uh, competitors. So on your side, are you distributing only insurance products from AXA? So or? We are distributing whole of, whole of market products. So 25 insurance connected to the platform. The reason why we launched in the UK is that AXA doesn't sell life insurance in the UK. So we had a mm. completely free... Um, Free open market to us. Free of but we have, yeah. Sorry. We, we have a first uh, question. So, first, Michael said hello. Anthony said hello. Jennifer Byrne from the US also says hello. And she uh, has a, lot, a small comment. And, you know, um, what are funding round trends in earlier stage seed in Europe? It's really interesting because Unripe also had some raising, did some raising over the past few months and weeks. Congratulations for that. For that, I think you raised five million um, pounds, if I recall correctly. First of all, congratulations for that. Um, how was that? Painful because we started <laughs> the we we started the first of March 2020 when the world collapsed. Ah, congrats! Yeah, and we stopped the 31st of March 2020 and said, okay, let's kill it and let's restart when when everything is is in a better shape. So uh, because investors at the time were absolutely not ready to look at new investment, yeah. they were really focused on firefighting. So we we reopened the um, the funding process in October 2020 and closed like in Q1. So. As anything, it takes a lot of time. There is a lot of money out there. I would, I would agree that it's. I think the the post seed market is tough. It's very difficult. Anything after Series B, I think, is far easier and faster because the minute you've got traction, sales traction, I think, um, as Florian said, it's uh, you've got a lot of PCs that can fund your business after. 
Yeah. And, and by the way, did, did you find it especially challenging because of your positioning around life insurance with, again, which is quite unusual in introtech, meaning that maybe you had to educate, if I may say that, investor explaining what is it. Com again, there are only few competitors where you can say, okay, we are doing something similar to them. So here are our figures, here, here is our, uh, how we are, we are different. But anyway, we are in the same space and then they can compare, they can see who is investing and so on. Did, did, uh, did you find it uh, challenging? Yeah, I, so I think it was, I mean, funding is always a pain for an entrepreneur, but it wasn't particularly challenging, but there is a big, there is a big, you've got two buckets. You've got people who are not, savvy about insurance, so generalist VCs. And if you don't do motor or home insurance, the onboarding cost is massive. The education cost along the process is massive. And then you've got FinTech VCs, the one who invested in Anorak, where the quickly the discussion becomes much more strategic and deep. Mm -hmm. And then whether you do life insurance or something else, I think they get it pretty quickly. But yes, for life insurance, you probably need VCs that understand financial services very well. Uh, what I want to comment on Jennifer's question, by the way, thank you, Jennifer, for asking. A few a month ago, we asked uh, Asaf Vanj, CEO of Hippo Insurance, uh, and he said, you know, is it so much easier to actually, you know, uh, uh, raise money uh, in America? And, and he said, you know, everybody who says raising money is easy lies. Yeah. <laughs> I think that sums it up quite well. All around the world, it's a lot of work. So yeah. that's that's why it's a, a very good thing there. I have a question to you guys. You know, I'm not so close to investment as uh, Florian and you. My question to you is a little bit: um, if you have, if you if you see in the market peers, people that raise in the same market uh, a lot of money or not, or you know, is is it good to have peers in the market or is it bad because you have competition? also for like attention in the insurtech community and investment space. Florian, maybe you as an analyst, um, if I have you here, is it good to have peers or is it bad to have peers? Yeah, I think it always helps, uh, again, uh, explaining what you are doing, having a comparison, especially if you are growing faster than other people. Uh, obviously, it could help saying, okay, look, uh, they raised that amount. Uh, we are moving faster. So obviously, we can have this kind of trend. And and uh, so so I, I really think it, it helps having a, a few peers. Uh, then if there are too many players, then it might be frightening on the other hand, because then you can yeah. say, okay, there are too much, too, too much competition on that target. But again, I believe that insurance is such a huge market. Again, it's 1,300 billion euros of premium uh, in Europe. So obviously, even if you take 1% of that market, that's a huge market. So yeah. again, I think there is still room for having a few big players. And by the way, you have AXA, Alliance, uh, and they are competing together. They are big together. They are doing great together. Um, and it works. So again, the market is big enough to have sure tech uh, that are significant. Again, investors don't like to have too much competition. But by the way, to make the link with you, David, um, a, a few days ago, even if uh, even yesterday, I think, ULife, in life insurance, raise 50 million um, pounds. So can you say how you're different from them, uh, how you see uh, yourself competing with them? And, and to answer uh, Robin's question, is that an issue that they are on the same space or is that good for you uh, because they are a bit ahead in terms of maturity uh, and then you have uh, somebody to, to follow the path? First of all, congrats to them because it's a great team. I mean, it's very, very well deserved. I mean, we know them very well and we, 
it's a great team. Their business is what exactly what I described, like uh, a, a new kind of insurance company, you know, digital first, with a great engagement program on life insurance. They do group insurance, so they help businesses protect their employees, which is a very different from what we do. Um, I think it's a good news for the sector. It's great to have a target uh, looking at this sector. And it's, I think it's a proof point, again, that you can scale and accelerate in this market very efficiently. And it's great for the UK, which I think is still the best place to build tech businesses in Europe and in the world. Yeah, and that's the question I had in mind. Why did you choose to uh, operate in the, in the UK? So you mentioned that you started with PNC before pivoting to life insurance. Uh, is there any interest in being in the UK or is it just more easy, there, are more, there is more money or insurance is more attractive according to you in the UK? So we, I can't compare with Germany, which I'm sure is a great hotspot for um, insurance uh, and, and insure tech. But in, in the UK, you've got the best regulator in the world when it comes to uh, the level of standard and openness to innovation. So the FCA is a great, uh, is a great sparring partner. I mean, a partner to a point, but I think they push the standard pretty, pretty far. So if you make it work in the, U in the UK, then you're pretty safe elsewhere. Uh, that's the first point. Then money, obviously, all tier one investors have their location based in, in London. And then I think the savviness of um, consumer online to buy insurance because of price comparison website, yeah. because this has been digitized massively, makes just the, the step is quite high because you haven't seen many continental European insure tech uh, succeed in the UK, yeah. but it's a great market to learn and scale. That David probably broke a few hearts at Bafin right now, and uh, the executive director of Bafin, the German yeah. Supervision Authority, has all been or also been a guest on the show. I won't tell him of you, yes. Yeah, so, but I think they Don't they also like that's why you card as well. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. So you raised five million pounds. What are your plans with that? Yes. Yeah, so to spend it. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> So we, we've got three three things we need to do. We need to continue to grow our distribution. We are B2B2C. So we partner with brands and we provide um, digital life insurance to their clients. So it's, it's growing this network of distribution network. We are growing our operation. As I explained, we are a hybrid model, a bit like Clark in Germany, where we have a strong digital presence that some of the journey um, end up with an advisor because that's where people want to, to spend time uh, and consumer. That's the second thing. And then we need to continue investing in the platform. So we have a, an online platform for clients, an online platform for broker, a smart engine automation. This uh, takes a lot of investment. So continue to invest in the digital product. That's yeah, what yeah. we need to do. Yeah, it makes sense, the third point, because uh, your full name is Anorak Technologies. So, by the way, yes. can you say a, bit word, uh, a few words, because you mentioned technology on the consumer side, but you mentioned as well uh, technology uh, regarding distribution, uh, uh, yeah. partners, and so on. So, can you say a few words on, on either the two parts, or maybe the most interesting part, according to you? Sure most challenging part according to you so we haven't built a website to sell policies i think anyone can do it you just plug apis uh, that i think that, that there is zero value in doing that it's just marketing costs uh, we've built a smart recommendation engine which is as a core you you bring data from the consumer you enrich with uh, risk data actual data open data and you build a risk profile of a client and then you analyze his protection need this is the core of the recommendation that is a regulated advice and you serve that online to the end consumer but you use it as well for your broker because he used this automation tool 
to know what to sell or how to engage with a client and execute in a very compliant way end to end the completion of the sales process. So it's one core engine, several platforms around it, one data lake. So we are automating end to end the process of selling insurance. And we, we start with life insurance. If it makes sense. Yes, Super yes, interesting. And um, one question I would love to ask you is the role of life insurance in society. Uh, it's a big topic, but I think life insurance is a lot of insurance PNC too, but especially life insurance uh, is there for, you know, for, for the darkest moments, maybe term life, maybe disability insurance. It's not a fun topic when it happens, but super important because the ability to generate income is in a lot of cases for families and individuals, like the only income stream. Um, and when that goes, if that goes down, you know, families and individuals have a problem. Problem, and that's when life insurance kicks in and the different products we have, even though a lot of people don't like us, but, you know, we help people in the end. My question to you is, you are uh, innovative in the way you do the, 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 your, your product, your, your, your approach um, and, and your technology. My big question is, how do you see insurance being uh, sold in the future? Um, so is it sold, is it bought? You know, it's always the endless debate, life insurance. What is sure is that life insurance is a force of good. So that's what protects you, your financial future is something very severe happened. So low frequency, high impact, right? People don't want to buy it. And culturally, it depends on your country. In Germany or in France, I mean, you're protected by your employer. The welfare state is here to <laughs> safeguard you. So you sometimes you have life insurance, you don't even know you have it. So the education yeah. piece doesn't need to kick in. In Anglo-Saxon countries, life insurance is uh, an individual choice. You're not protected by anyone. So if you don't buy it, you're, you, don't, you don't have to buy it. If you don't have it, you're really in trouble. So the education element is super important. Mm. Banks have stopped selling it. So you're really in an interesting game where advice has immense value. Reaching out to clients in the right ecosystem is very valuable as well. So that's exactly how I think Selling, like, selling insurance in the modern days is, is embed your journey in the right ecosystem. You let people be very autonomous in what they can do online. And then you provide them with human support when they need it in a very seamless way. We got another question from the audience. So thank you very much, Rene. Shout out to Munich uh, or even Cologne. We have a lot of Germans watching today. So maybe in the statistic, we beat France once. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, also here from Cheong, um, I hope I pronounced the name correctly. Uh, David, a question for you. Um, you can also answer it hypothetically, so you don't need to know uh, review company secrets, even though you know we like to do that, have that on our show. How long does it take to raise fund? You shared that a little bit, but uh, yeah. how, how many do you, or maybe just sh uh, share a little bit light. Um, is it, or even for me, do you need to approach like 100 or it's more like talking to 10? Uh, so on average, I think it takes six months. So that's the safe, uh, I think timing I would keep as being an, a formal investment banker. I think that's uh, ah. safe to say. And um, I think you need to, to talk to the 10 right guys. But mm. sometimes you need, what's important is that you've built relationship before you start your fundraising so that you know who you want to speak to and you want to have done the sort of the trust element before, particularly in pandemic time where you don't meet people. Having created relationship before, fast track the access to the right, uh, the right fund. So yes, you've got hundreds of funds around, but you clearly don't want to speak to hundred funds. 
I, I think that's a super valuable point you made to, to have the relationships before. Um, no brainer, but it makes totally sense. And Jing, uh, Jung, thank you very much for uh, answering, uh, asking this question. Um, yeah, and by the way, if I may just add one point, which I believe is something that I, uh, I, I share with uh, entrepreneurs when I have a discussion with them, is that to try to focus on funds that where you are in their sweet spot. Again, it seems to be obvious, but there are so many players on the ground, so much money available that you can just waste your time discussing with funds where you are too small, too big, too late on a, an industry that they are not covering. So the only advice, a piece of advice that I'm sharing with entrepreneurs usually is just try to focus on funds that have already done the, the kind of rounds that you are doing. So if you're raising 5 million pounds, just focus on funds that have already signed this kind of check or were part of this kind of round. Because obviously, uh, VC tends to say that they can do everything from 1 million to 100 million, uh, which is a, a broad <laughs> and a wide range. Uh, so definitely trying I to focus. a hundred. Yeah, 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 yeah. And maybe one of the things is like, personally, I prefer VCs who have an investment theme, who have thought about what they want to do, as opposed to reactive VC who see a deal flow and pick and choose. So I just find the conversation more interesting. Yeah, and I guess more helpful in your development in the next step. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And by the way, that makes the perfect link with uh, with what I wanted to raise around the uh, the geographic scope. So you mentioned that you choose UK for a very specific reason. Uh, we had a few joke about the uh, German regulator. Uh, obviously, you're from France. Uh, so I, am I? Uh, so by the way, what are your plans in terms of geography? So I guess that focusing on on the UK uh, is the for the near future. But have you already thought about the next step in terms of geography and so where would you like to 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 uh, to expand sure like as any startup as robin mentioned before it's like you want to conquer the world but as an experienced entrepreneur you just <laughs> try to avoid it immediately so i think the next 12 to 15 months for anorak are really focused on the uk uh, our proposition is built for anglo-saxon asian markets it doesn't really work in continental europe so in the, the next natural market would be the us north america uh, the commonwealth countries and probably india and um, and, uh, and asia okay yeah, I feel now a little bit neglected that you don't come to Germany, but that's okay. We Fox is far too strong. We are scared. Very, very good. Thank you very much. You shared a lot of insights into your business, into the market, uh, and the funding round. Super interesting. Thank you very much for that. Is there something, and you answered also uh, questions from the audience, is there something the audience can do for you? Um, they can talk about us, they can ask questions, they can help us uh, be smarter, they can point out the things we don't do well, because that's when uh, we, we like to, to, to improve. Uh, and they can reach out if they have any questions, we are very open and transparent. And, and by the way, in terms of uh, growing the team, uh, do, is there any uh, profile that you are looking for specifically? Is that on in the UK, is that worldwide? Because we are in a remote world right now. So what are your plans in terms of HR? I guess that a few people might be interested, uh, yeah. or people from the audience, I mean. So as anyone, we are uh, desperately in need of engineers, tech engineers. Uh, being in London, that's one of the drawbacks. I mean, you've got Facebook and Google offering uh, crazy money to these guys. So anyone in the world who wants to build the smartest insurance companion, please ping me and uh, we probably need you. 
All right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for all around the world, watching, listening, asking questions, sharing, like, and if you watch this as a recording, do not forget to do a comment and a like. We see you, we like you, but we need your support. So thank you very much. See you next month again with Florian um, in the EU InsurTech and Investment Show. Thank you very much, guys. See you guys. Thank you. Thanks, David. Bye. Thanks. Stay healthy. Thank you very much. Bye.